0: Hallelujah, why don't you put your hands together to Jesus? Why don't you give him praise? Why don't you give him the honor that he deserves? Hallelujah, if you've got a testimony here tonight, you ought to be clapping your hands. Let's give him a first-class hand clap of appreciation. Hallelujah, he deserves all of the praise. He deserves all of the honor because if it was not for his mercy, there's no telling where I would be but by the grace of God I am able to step into this house I am able to step into this place and give him praise and glory hallelujah and I'm thankful to be in his presence I don't think it's accident that we are all here together I believe that there is an orchestration that is taking place that only God can do and it feels good in the house tonight it feels good in the house I don't know if you feel what I feel, but it feels like we could take the roof off of this place. It feels like there is faith in this house that we can speak to mountains, that we can speak to situations, and they will be moved. For we have the faith like a mustard seed. That not is just it's not just small in size, but when a when a mustard seed is planted into the ground and it begins to grow. It's not just some small little shrub that takes root, but it is a tree that brings forth fruit. It is a tree that brings forth everlasting life. And that's the kind of faith that I want to have. And that's the kind of faith that I believe we have here tonight. Why don't we clap our hands? It won't be the last time. Hallelujah. I want to say what a huge privilege and what a huge honor it is to preach at my own church. I do, not consider, uh, I do not consider the invitation lightly, but I consider it a, a huge blessing, not, uh, not just for me, uh, but I, I want it to be a blessing for you as well. I don't want this just to be another Sunday night service. I don't want it just to be another cute message with cute illustrations, but I want lives to be changed. I want people to be impacted, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. And I'm blessed because of it. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Judges chapter number three, beginning in verse number 12. Give honor to my pastor, everything that he has put in me, my pastor's wife, everything that she has taught me. I'm glad to have my wife with me. It'd be really boring if I was by myself. And so I'm thankful for her. Uh, I got a request this afternoon. Uh, that, that she would precede me in song uh, tonight, and I'm not going to do that to her. Uh, but maybe at some point she can uh, we can do a little evangelistic duo. She can sing, I can preach. We could be powerful. The only problem is, is she'd probably be a whole lot better than my preaching. So we got to figure something out. Judges chapter number three, verse number 12, the Bible says, "And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. city of palm trees is Jericho. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger, which had two edges of a cubic length. And he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. Verse number 21, the Bible says, And Ehud put forth his left hand, and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And so for a few moments this evening, I want to preach from this subject, this title, for memory's sake, a man left-handed, a man left-handed. If you would, if you would extend your hand toward this pulpit. And I will extend my hand toward you and pray that God would unite us together. I pray, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. I pray that there would be an anointing by the power of the Holy Ghost that would move in this place. I pray that the atmosphere would be right, that there would be individuals that would be able to receive something from you. I know that there's only two or three that are gathered together, that when we come together in your name, that you would be in our midst. And I'm believing that you are going to do it tonight. Why don't we put our hands together and believing? God, you are going to do mighty things. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. The book of Judges is a very entertaining book. You can find just about every story that you would like. You can find romance. You can find murder. You can find mystery, all contained in this one book. Uh, And Judges is is very interesting to me and very intriguing to me. And I have attempted to uh, take the book of Judges and start reading topically, trying to figure out what it all means and, and what are some of these stories and, and why, why are they so funny in my own head? Why do they say the things that they do? Why is the language used the way that it is used? Uh, and in my study and, and in my research, I came across Judges chapter number 3, and in reading this chapter, we find very interesting language being used. We find a man by the name of Ehud, and it says that he was a Benjamite. He was a left-handed man. And there is a king by the name of Eglon, and he is a Moabite, and he is a very fat man. And Judges does a good job of describing the characters. All right, we get a, a mental image about who is exactly in this story. And one of the the things that is used to describe Ehud is that he is a Benjamite and he is a man that is left-handed. If you do any kind of research about what the left hand means or if you know anything about culture, you will know that the majority of persons are all right-handed. Are there any left-handed people in the house tonight? Raise your hand. Let's see you. Okay, we understand and we see that that individuals that are left-handed make up a small portion of the population. If you do research, it'll tell you that left-handed people make up about 10% of the population in the world. Left-handers are not very common. And so when the Bible tells us that Ehud is a man left-handed, it's probably going to tell us something of importance. The right hand in ancient days is often a sign of power. It's often a sign of authority. And we talk about some of the things regarding the right hand. We say that, that I want to be your right hand man. I want to be the person that you reach out to. Uh, if someone tells you and approaches you and says, I want to be your left hand man, uh, you, would, you would wonder what exactly that means. Or why are they telling me that they want to be the left hand? Because generally, the left hand is forgotten about. When we think about culture and society the way that we operate when we start our cars we start our car with the right hand we shift gears with the right hand we do just about everything we shake hands with the right hand and most often the things at least in a vehicle that we forget about are the things done with the left hand when you forget to turn the lights off you walk out to your car and you try to start it and you realize that you've left the lights on and now you don't have a battery because you forgot it was done with the left hand. And the other thing that's often forgotten in a vehicle that's done with the left hand is blinkers. Drive on the freeway and individuals just turn lanes left and right with no real understanding and direction of where they're going because they have forgotten to use their left hand. This is somewhat comical, but you all understand what I'm I'm trying to say. The way that we write, I'm a right-handed person, And so it makes sense to me to write from left to right. But left-handed people, when they write, particularly with ink pens, you get ink all over your hand because you're smearing the ink as you're writing. And so we find in society that left-handers are often forgot about. We find that these individuals don't have a place, at least in ancient societies. Obviously, this is not the case today, but, but we find that that back in time that left-handers needed a specific place because they weren't able to do the things that right-handed people could do. The Bible explicitly states that Ehud was a Benjamite and a man left-handed. There is some discussion as to why he was left-handed. There is some uh, banter about whether or not he was truly born left-handed or if he was handicapped in some kind of way, some kind of withered hand. The word that is used to describe Ehud is used as iter, or iter, and it means bound or impeded relating to the right hand. This is used to describe Ehud, that he is a man that is bound or impeded on his right side. And furthermore, if you know anything about what Benjamite means, Benjamite means it is the son of my right hand. And so the very nature The very being of who Ehud is is completely backwards, because here he is in the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe named after the son of my right hand, and he is bound on his right side, and he is a left-handed man. The very nature of Ehud would say that he is a man that is disadvantaged, that he is a man that has things going against him. He's handicapped. And he's from a tribe whose identity is the very opposite of who he is as an individual. But what seemingly appears as a disadvantage shortly becomes an advantage. We find in this passage of scripture that he presents this gift. He creates this gift and he gives it to Eglon the king. He's got a a dagger that he's got on his right thigh. And if the guards would have assumed that he was a right-handed man, like all of the other warriors and all of the other people, when they go to check Ehud as he enters into the chamber of the king, they would not have looked at his right side or his left side, excuse me. They would have looked particularly on his left hip or his left thigh, which, where he, which is where he would have drawn his sword. But because Ehud is a left-handed man, he doesn't draw from his left side, but instead he draws from his right side. Because you don't draw from the same side that you are dominant on. And so if they would have assumed this, they would have missed the dagger that was created. It says that this dagger was in his left hand, and he thrust it into the belly of Eglon, and he was unable to draw it out, and he slew him on that day. had told the people of Israel that the Lord had delivered the Moabites into the hands of the Israelites. Judges chapter 3, verse number 29 says, And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men, excuse me, all lusty and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. We find that Moab was single handedly subdued by a man that appeared incapable because he was impeded on his right side. And what this tells to me, or what this, what this speaks to me, is that God still works with the disadvantaged. God still works with the people that have problems and have situations that, that they don't know where to look to and they don't know where to turn because God knows exactly where they are and He knows how to find people that are disadvantaged, that have been looking for where they are supposed to go and where they are supposed to, to where where they're supposed to turn. Because just about the time that the situation looks like it's a disadvantage and just about the time where it looks like your back is up against the wall and you have nowhere else to go, God steps onto the scene and provides you with the advantage. It may look like a disadvantage to you and I. It looks like there's no way that you're going to come out of it. But when God steps onto the scene, it doesn't matter if it's a disadvantage. It doesn't matter if it's a problem. But God is able to provide that advantage. Psalm chapter number 44 says that we don't just get the land by our own hand or by our own sword, but it says that we get it by the right hand of God. Every time the right hand of God is involved, there is an advantage that we have. It doesn't matter if we are fallen, if we've got difficulties and trials. When God is involved, there's no telling what could happen. We find that God steps into situations just like you, where you may find yourself up against a wall with nowhere else to go, but if you just look unto the heavens from whence you receive your strength, God can give you an advantage that no man can give you. You may wonder, where in the world is my victory going to come from? Where it's going to come from is God. Where it's going to come from is in the name of Jesus. Because God always provides the advantage. We read that society would like to oppress the disadvantaged. And in this context, the disadvantage is being left-handed. But God is always able to provide an advantage. Somehow, in some way, he's always able to work in your situation to provide you with the advantage. Judges chapter 20, verse number 15, we read about another group of Benjamites. Another group of individuals that are left-handed. It says, and the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven chosen men, 700. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed and every one could sling stones at and hair breadth and not miss. These again were men of Benjamin, men that were to be from the son of my right hand. The word, again, describing these men is itter, which means that they are impeded or they are obstructed on the right side. But researchers say that slingers were deadly accurate. They could sling stones and they could hit the mark of upwards of 600 feet in distance. That doesn't sound like a disadvantage to me. You get 700 chosen men that step onto the scene that are able to sling with, with unpredictable or unknowing accuracy. They are able to sling a stone of upwards of 600 feet and they are not able to miss because God does not miss with the disadvantaged. Every time there is a disadvantage that is presented, all we have to say is with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. And so what looks like a disadvantage to you is not a disadvantage to God because God works in disadvantaged situations where there are individuals that are very uh, unknowing and they don't know what their identity is and they are from a tribe by the name of Benjamin. Their very identity is wrapped up in being right-handed, but they are not disadvantaged because God is able to work in their behalf and they are able to sling a stone and cannot miss because when God gets involved, there is no disadvantages in the kingdom of God Because we are all equal, because with man it is impossible, and with God all things are possible. So we find that disadvantages in Scripture do not always equal disadvantages in our lives, because God is known for working with the disadvantaged. If we consider the lineage of Jesus Christ, we find people that are flawed and mistaken. They are the worst of the worst with sins and, and problems that you and I would, would cringe at. We find that Abraham was a liar, convinced his wife to say that, that she was his sister. And he did this twice. He was a coward. Jacob was a deceiver of his brother. He lied to his father. He stole his brother's birthright and blessing. Judah was the very individual that sold his brother Joseph or came up with the idea of selling his brother Joseph into slavery. Find that Rahab was a prostitute. David was a murderer and an adulterer. The point is, is that disadvantages do not mean that God cannot work. Means that God can still work in your situation. God can still work on your behalf. Because when the disadvantage comes and you look at the walls and say they're too tall and the walls are too thick, God is able to provide the advantage. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. It looks impossible if you and I were to look at it. But when God steps onto the scene, he can raise up a generation of 700 slingers that would say, you know what, we're not going to miss. We're going to practice and we're going to do what is right because we believe we're not disadvantaged. We're not disadvantaged. We're not going to play the victim mentality Because we believe when we step into the house of God, we have someone on our side that is bigger than my problem, It's bigger than my situation, and all I've got to do is lift up the name of Jesus. And when I do that, all my problems dissipate and all my fears go away because God works with the disadvantaged people. God has always worked with people that don't have it all together. But God is not so concerned with your disadvantages. As much as he is concerned with your ability to put it in his hands, recognize the inability to do it on your own. Because when I'm faced with the impossible, when I look at situations in my own life and I, I see, you know what, there's, there's no way that this is going to happen. You know, I, I don't know how it's going to work, and I don't, I don't really have all of the answers. And then when it actually does happen, there is an understanding on my part that, that I didn't do that. I didn't do that on my own, but there was a God that was on my side that provided me with the advantage. I may have been disadvantaged, and I may have had flaws and failures. And when I come against trials and tribulation, and God provides the increase, it's not because I have anything to offer, because all I have to offer is as filthy rags. But when God steps onto the scene, I am made more than a conqueror, and I am able to do all things through Christ which strengthens me, because by faith, God is able to provide me with the increase. And so maybe you've come tonight Wondering where the advantage is going to come from. Wondering where you are going to receive the victory. I've come to tell you that your victory is here in this house tonight. Your victory is here in this place tonight because God is not changing. God has always been the same. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he's done it before, you can best believe he's going to do it again. And if he's given you a promise, you better believe that he's going to give that promise unto you because his promises are yea, and they are amen. And every time he speaks unto you, you better believe that God is going to do it because he works with the disadvantaged. Why don't we put our hands together? Bible says in Numbers chapter number three, Numbers chapter 12, verse three, there is a man by the name of Moses who is very meek Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth, when you understand who wrote the book of Numbers, this is a funny verse because Moses wrote the book of Numbers. You find that Moses is the most man, of, most meek man of all. Moses is the one that wrote that. There is some discussion as to whether or not he wrote that, or if it was added in. Because if you look in your Bible, it's in parentheses. Uh, but so many times, and we, we all know these people, and I'm, I'm the most humble man in the room. The problem is, is as soon as you think you're humble, you are you lost it, just like that. But what is interesting in the life of Moses is Moses didn't have it all together. Moses was, was a failure in many regards. But the only thing that we are given about the life of Moses and, and the characteristics of Moses. We find that he was a murderer. We find that he had an anger problem. We find that he had a stutter. And he lashed out and missed the promised land because he was angry. He was a poor administrator. But what Moses did have is he had a meekness. And he had a a humbleness that maybe he didn't have all of the talent. Maybe he didn't have all of the ability. But what he lacked in ability, he made up for in humility. What he lacked in, in talent and in skill, he made up for with a humble heart. And that is where we can find God using us the most. Because it's not about whether or not you have all of the talent. Because you can have all of the talent and not have a humble spirit. You can have all of the ability and God not be able to use you because your attitude toward ministry is is not right. What he lacked in his ability to speak, he made up for in his humility. He understood that when I am weak, God is strong. When I am weak, God is strong. And so I may not have all of the ability, but what I lack in ability, I'm going to plug into a prayer life. I may not have all of the talent in the world, But what I do have, I'm going to give God praise with the very best that I have. I may not have it all together, and my life may be a wreck. But what I can do is give God worship, believing that when I am weak, when I don't have it all together, and I give God praise, that he is able to meet me right where I am. It doesn't matter if we've got problems. It doesn't matter if we've got circumstances. You may feel like you are disadvantaged and up against the wall. And you may feel like you don't have any talent. You have nothing to offer unto the kingdom of God. But if you would just give God the praise and you would give God the humility that you have, you don't have to have all of the talent. You don't have to have all of the ability. But what you do need to have is a meekness that says, God, whatever you want me to do, it doesn't matter if I'm sweeping the floors. It doesn't matter if I'm cleaning the toilets in the bathroom. I've got to have a humility in your kingdom because if I don't have a humility I don't have anything because if God is not able to use you in the small things God is not going to be able to use you in the big things and so I've got to have a humility because when I'm disadvantaged God recognizes there is a humility there is a power and there is a willingness for me to use because you are able to look unto God and say God you are the strength that I need I can't do it on my own but I've got to have you in my heart So we find Abraham, excuse me, Moses, find that he is a humble man. But it's in these circumstances, in the life of Moses, where we can begin to look at everybody else and see what they're good at. We can begin to look at our disadvantaged situation and say, you know what, I don't don't have ability. And I I can't sing like so-and-so sings. And I I can't preach like so-and-so preaches, and and I don't have the money that so-and-so has, and so I can't do anything for God. This was not Moses understanding. Moses recognized, I may not have it all together, but what I do have is a willingness. I can only imagine in this particular context what it must have been like to be the friend of David. We find that, that David is just about anything you could ask for says that David is a talented musician. He is he's a singer. He writes his own songs. So not only does he play and sing, he wrote the words to the song that you sing. And so here you are as a friend and you might consider comparing yourself unto David because David's got it all. Not only does he sing, play, write his own songs, it says he dances. So he does them all. He writes songs. He plays them. He sings them. And he dances to them. Imagine being the friend of David. And let's, let's just peer into the mind of Peyton. And the Bible says, hey, don't steal, my th- don't steal him. The Bible says that David's a warrior too. So not only can he sing better than you, he can play better than you. He dances better than you. He's a better rider than you are. And he's probably stronger than you too. So we can begin to compare ourselves against others. And we can begin to look at others and compare what we have to what they have because we feel like we're disadvantaged. But what David recognized at the very beginning of his ministry is that if I don't have the anointing and the power of God, my talent and my ability means nothing. So be careful when you begin to compare yourself to others because you may not have the talent and you may not have the ability, but you've got the anointing of God that anytime you step into this house, all you've got to do is give God a little bit of praise and give God a little bit of worship. You may not have the ability, but you have the anointing. You may not have the talent, but you've got the anointing. You may not have all of the money in the world, but you've got the anointing that is able to give you the power. Because each and every one of us has something within us called the spirit of the Holy Ghost that we may not have everything together and our problem may be disadvantaged and we may be the underdog in our own life. But when we get the anointing on our side, there's no telling what God can't do because when the anointing is on your side, there is nothing that is impossible for God. I wish I had somebody that believed what I'm saying. Could you be a testimony that says, you know what? I didn't have it all together. But when I stepped into the apostolic church, I, I didn't have it all together. I was a nothing in his kingdom. But I stepped into his house and I am now made more than a conqueror because I've got the anointing on my side. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you may be at a disadvantage, musicians, you can come. You may be at a disadvantage. You may be in a place where you don't know where to turn. You lack the ability to accurately phrase it to God. You don't know where your help is going to come from. In the life of Ehud, here's a man that the very identity of who he is and the very person that he is supposed to be, the tribe that he was born into, is the very antithesis of who he is. And so the identity of Ehud doesn't come from the tribe that he's a part of, but his identity comes directly from God because he's a man left-handed. He's not who he is supposed to be to other men. And it appears as if there is a disadvantage in his life, but he didn't allow his disadvantage to stop him from doing a work for the king. It didn't stop him from doing a work to allow the children of Israel a reprieve from the Moabite people. And too many times we can look at problems and we can say, you know what, there is no way that we're going to get over this. There's no way that we're ever going to make it out on the other side because the problem is just too great. But God works with disadvantaged people. And each and every one of us at some point in our life has been disadvantaged, where we don't know where our help is going to come from. We feel like we're lost. We're, we feel like we have nothing to do. Our identity, the very person that we're supposed to be, is, is lacking. It's not there because we're impeded on our right side. And all we have to offer is a left hand unto God, a hand that society would say, you're worthless. You serve no good. All you have is a left hand that that you can't do what, what you're supposed to do in the kingdom because Everybody else says there's no way that you can work in the kingdom because the kingdom has no place for a left hand. The kingdom has no place for a man with handicaps and issues. But God works with the disadvantaged. God is able to provide the right hand because we are able to receive strength from the right hand of God. And so you may be tonight thinking specifically about the left hand in your life thinking about all of the problems that you are looking at and all of the situations, and it all seems like it's it's a handicap and a hindrance. But God has sent me to tell you that it is not a disadvantage because God can work on your behalf. God can still work in your situation. It's not too late. It hasn't gotten too late for God to work because he's still in this house. We've sang about it already that he can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it around for his good. And so you may only have a left hand, you may only have something to offer God that looks insignificant. It's so small. There's no way that God can do anything with it, but God can take that left hand and he can slay a giant. He can slay a man that is ruling over the people of Israel. He can slay a man all with a left hand. There's a story today. One of my wife's friends back in Sacramento is a, a man that has struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism and failures and trials and he used to be mighty talented in the kingdom of god incredible piano player incredible singer but he lost his way in the kingdom of god because all he could see was a left hand all he could see was was the flaws and disadvantages of his life all he could see is where he lacked and he looked at everybody else and and recognized, I'll never be as good as them. I'll never be able to do what they do. But what he failed to realize is, is God had given him a unique talent. And God had given him a unique ability. But even with his talent and his ability, you would say maybe he had it all. That, that God could use him mightily, even though he was talented. And even though he had every talent you could ask for. He still wasn't able to shake this idea that all I've got is a left hand. And I'm not I'm not as good as, as everybody else, and I've got flaws and insecurities. He's living in a halfway house right now. He's he's trying to get his life back in order. He's looking at this left hand. We got word today that he stepped into a house of God, living in the halfway house that he's living in. Not only did he come himself, but he brought the halfway house director with him. And even in his disadvantaged situation, where he doesn't know where to turn, what do I do? I'm, I'm addicted, I'm lost. I don't have what I used to have. And I don't have the ability that I used to have because I squandered it. But he walked into a house of God today with that halfway house director. And that halfway house director got the Holy Ghost in service today because God still works with disadvantaged people. And it may look like problems are are not going to fix themselves, and it may look like there's no way that you're ever going to step out from where you're where you're living. But God still works with the disadvantaged people. It doesn't matter where you are, and it doesn't matter the problems that you are dealing with right now. If you will simply step out of your out step out of your pew and into this altar, God is able to meet you. exactly where you need Him to meet you because God is able to work in your situation all you have to do is just proclaim the name of Jesus upon your life and he is able to meet you exactly where you are so I invite you tonight I invite you under the unction of the Holy Ghost that I understand that that things may not be perfect and that you may not have it all together and there may be flaws and there may be a left hand that you can't get out of your mind that God can't work in my situation because the very identity of who I am is, is incorrect and I'll never measure up to what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the son of the right hand but all I've got is a left hand. But God can still work in your life. God can still work exactly where you are. And if you will just give him the honor and the glory if you will be like Moses that says, you know what? I don't I don't have a whole lot to offer. I've got a stutter. I've got an anger issue. I've got I've got problems. If you will just give him your heart and you will say, God, I want to be humble in your presence. I don't I don't have anything to offer, but if you just give it all to God, God can make you more than a conqueror. Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so the blood has already overcome your disadvantage. The blood has already met your disadvantage right where it is. And the second part of that verse says we overcome by the word of our testimony. And so if he's done it before, you can say, you know what, he's going to do it again. And you can subdue the enemy just because you've got a testimony in the house of God tonight. And so I wonder if you would just lift up your voice, just lift up your hands and begin to give it to God and say, God, I don't have it all together. And I don't know where I'm supposed to turn, but I know that you are a big God and I know that you are able to meet me exactly where I need you to meet me. As they begin to sing, I wonder if there's anybody that would be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and would say, God, I want you to touch me. I want you to meet me at the left hand where I have all of my flaws and insecurities. Because God can take what the enemy meant for evil, and he can turn it for your good. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. I wonder if there's anybody that would lift up your voice and begin to declare to your situation, begin to declare to the left hand of the enemy. Say, you know what? The enemy is not going to have my life. I'm- voice lift up your hands God can provide the victory tonight God can provide the advantage you may be disadvantaged you may have failures you may have problems but God doesn't see them as problems he sees them as a testimony he sees them as the very thing that is going to help you overcome the enemy I wonder if I have one or two people that would just begin to give God the praise that he deserves If you want to see a victory, give the battle unto Jesus. He is able to provide the increase. He is able to provide the mighty.
1: In your voice, pray with somebody. Hallelujah. Church is not near from over. Hallelujah. Dig deep in the house of God today. When people feel like there's no way out, there's an answer in the house tonight. And his name is Jesus. Go we'll reach out and faith to him. turn it all for my good. severely disadvantaged in situations and circumstances you're hindered and you're not praying (laughs) wow the only way to get out of your severely disadvantaged situation is listen to the word of God and let him take control because you're not getting out of your situation unless God takes over the wheel You know what you need to be doing with your situation? Your hands need to be up in the air and you need to say, God, I know what it looks like, but you never operate on what things look like. It may look terrible, but you're a God that is terrible and awesome and you're greater than the situation. You're greater than the circumstances. And so I'm coming to you to make a difference. Hallelujah! You need to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, God, turn this thing around before it's a major train wreck. I know that you're a God that makes everything possible. Hallelujah. Come on. That's the seeds of a testimony down the road that I didn't know where it was coming from, where my help was coming from, how it was going to come to pass, but God stepped in in the house of God tonight. God, do a work. God, make a way. God, provide the answer. God, bring the counsel. God, bring your spirit and your anointing and let it flood this house. Praise God and touch somebody in the house of God tonight. You take
2: what the enemy never oh. and you turn it for Yes, good. yes, 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 yes. You turn it for good.
1: I'm listening to the enemy, but I'm listening to the heartbeat of faith. Of the scripture paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, severely disadvantaged, couldn't get in. He said, "I have no man to help me get. Everybody beats me, in. I've just I've been here for 38 years." When Jesus steps on the scene, Jesus says, "Do you want to be healed?" Praise God! And the man takes up his bed and walks. Blind Bartimaeus, severely disadvantaged, he's blind. You heard at the very beginning of this service. And yet when Jesus passes by, he leaves that situation seeing Zacchaeus, he's short in stature, he can't see over the crowd, he climbs up into a tree, and Jesus says, today I'm going to your house to fellowship with you. Praise God. Man born of palsy, four men put him on a cot, take him to a house, tear the roof off and lower him down, severely disadvantaged. He walks out of the house because of the amazing power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Ten lepers severely disadvantaged on the outskirts, on the outside of town. They've been run out there. They can't be with everybody else. When Jesus passes by he says, go show yourselves to the priests and you shall be whole. They didn't all return but one came back and said, There is power in your words and you have made me completely whole. There's power in Jesus. Praise God. The man of the Gadarenes. He's running around naked, screaming, yelling. He's haunted by memories, difficulties. He's tormented and has nightmares. But when Jesus' boat pulls up to the shore of the Gatherings, he goes running to Jesus. Amen. And Jesus cast out a legion of devils out of that man. When Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter how insignificant you may feel, there is a power... Jesus steps into a synagogue and he's preaching and he's teaching and he looks over and he sees a man and he tells the man raise your hand the man had a withered hand he's got a he's got a decision to make do I raise what appears great or do I raise what appears insignificant he raises the withered hand and Jesus makes the man whole praise God you need to lift up the weakness to Jesus and say take this take this and use it for your glory Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Amen. A man left hand. Amen. There's some of you in this place here tonight your family didn't care about you. You may not even know the extent of who your family is, but you're in the house of God. And you are a son and daughter of the King. Praise God. He's elevated you. He's established you. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands once again. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Mm. Thank you for the Holy Ghost and the empowerment of your spirit that we feel in the house of God tonight. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you for your ability that is able to change things, transform things. Hallelujah when the world would put you on the back burner and push you to the background jesus always reached for the impoverished he always reaches for those low in estate, and he brings them to the forefront hallelujah 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 come on let's thank the lord he didn't walk away from you he didn't leave you he's still on your side even in your predicament where you are right now he's still there he's still faithful Thank you, Brother Peyton Bradford, for the message tonight. Amen. I want to be somebody. Amen. You know what's so insignificant? You know what's significant about that is he takes he takes the disadvantage, but because this man allowed God to do a work in his life, he became very skilled. Left-handed slingers, as was mentioned, were very skilled individuals. You need to take all of the mishaps and circumstances and failures in life and become skilled And what I'm not doing again, I've got a testimony. And then use that skill to testify to somebody else. Amen. I may be left-handed, but I can use it to an advantage. Praise God. The things in my life that may be insignificant, God has made a significance out of that, and I've got a power. Amen. You can help somebody if you've gone through the same problems and difficulties, and God brings you through them, then you've got a power and an ability to help somebody else. Amen. Praise God. Amen. This will be the last time, but let's clap our hands unto the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah, hallelujah, yeah, yeah. Praise God, amen, amen, praise God. God bless you, we'll be here tomorrow night for prayer at seven o'clock.